This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by whoscored.com. Hello, welcome to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell. It's Thursday, my favourite day of the week, joined by Jonathan Wilson and some guy from Who Scored, Martin <laughs> Lawrence, this week. Martin, I'll come to you first and be polite. How are oh, you? Hello. Hi. Well, you'll come to me first with what? Uh, what? How are you? I said. I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Uncomfortable start to the podcast there. Jonathan, <laughs> you okay? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for asking. We're going to start then with a look back at the Champions League. Always love it when the Champions League's come back. Oh, I do. It's my favourite football to watch, bar none. We've got top 10 players, Martin, based on who scored ratings for the for the first match week, I presume, or the first round of fixtures. Yeah, so from the, yeah. from the midweek games, yeah. Probably not who you'd expect at the top. I imagine most people would expect maybe Kylian Mbappe at the top or maybe Bernardo Silva. It's neither of them. Uh, so I'll start. I'll start with uh, at ten, uh, which is Mohamed Kamara, who got the Champions League Man of the Match award in the game against Bayern. He was outstanding. I sort of flitted between those two games last night, and he he looked really good. He'll be another one that's on the move very shortly. I think probably in the summer from from Salzburg. Uh, number nine, Phil Foden, obviously scored, and he's is continuing to play very well in that sort of leading the line, so to speak, for City. Andrew Robertson is. At eight, he was our man of the match against Inter. Uh, Thibaut Courtois at seven, obviously beaten at the end by Mbappe, but he made eight saves, including that penalty save from from um, Messi. Messi still hasn't scored against Courtois. Uh, so pretty good record for a goalkeeper to have. Uh, but he's not the best rated goalkeeper. That's actually Philip Kern of Salzburg, who also made eight saves. Looked like he was going to uh, keep a clean sheet against Bayern, which would have been some, some turn up, but... Yeah, he was outstanding regardless. Mbappe is actually fifth, down in fifth. He was obviously excellent. He's rating 8.94. It's still an excellent rating, but down in fifth. And then it's a, a Man City trio of Riyad Mahrez in fourth. Bernardo Silva obviously got the brace. First goal was stunning. And Sterling has actually pipped him into second. And then first is actually Kingsley Coman, who scored that equaliser uh, for, for Bayern. A uh, crucial goal in that game. I think he completed six dribbles. Uh, had a hatful of shots and nearly scored a few more. Uh, and he also won more aerial duels in that game than he'd won across all of his appearances in the league and Champions League combined, I believe, uh, prior to that. So a busy game for him and he's our Champions League player of the week. You glad the Champions League's back, Jonathan? Um, yeah, I am. Um, disappointed by uh, some comments by certain people about the away goals rule, but uh, never mind. <laughs> well, yeah, do, you, do you think that was a good? Do you think that's a good thing then? Of course it is. Why? Because the away goals rule did the exact opposite to what people think it did. If you look at the stats, in the so the, the, you had 12 years of European Cup before the away goals rule came in. In those 12 years, the away team failed to score in 32% of the games. In the 12 years after it was introduced, the away team failed to score in 45% of the games. The number of goals per game f- fell from 3.24 to 2.3-something. Um, in the first 20 years after the away goals were introduced. It, it did not work. It made football bad. What it did was give people the cheap thrill that you could go from losing to winning in one goal. But if you need that, you don't really like football. You just like drama. Um, so, you know, the idea that Real Madrid playing defensively in one game means that 
it was a disaster to get rid of it. It's nonsense. 80% of the goals scored this week were scored by the away team. I doesn't suggest the away team's been defensive to me. So I was just disappointed in humanity again. <laughs> it's good to know you read my tweets, though, Jonathan. You weren't the only one. Oh, okay. I thought it was a, a, a veiled dig at, my, at myself because I do remember doing it. Doing no, it, it wasn't slightly, veiled. It was, it was an open dig. It was slightly, <laughs> slightly, slightly, slightly tongue-in-cheek, my, my tweet. I just wanted to use that phrase about being fun at parties. So so I did. But yeah, I've obviously well, look, got I'm a lot not, to learn. I'm not fun at people. parties. So, <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are. <laughs> Let's not confuse these two things. <laughs> I don't, don't like really it. Like I'm not fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe one day I'll find out. Maybe one day I'll actually get to meet you in person and find out if you are for uh, uh, parties. <laughs> Let's look at Leeds v Manchester United then. Rafinha, Martin. He was poor at Villa Park, actually, when I watched him. I was really looking forward to, to watching him. He just wasn't really involved in the game at all. He's, he's looking a bit aggravated. Probably his time at Leeds might be coming to an end. Yeah, he looks a bit sort of disillusioned, doesn't he? I think maybe the, maybe there's a slight fitness issue as well. He's had he's had a couple of niggling injuries, and I think he's probably played through them a few times just because Leeds have been so reliant on him up to this point. But yeah, of of Rafinha's six worst-rated performances from us this season, five of them have come in his last seven matches. So yeah, he's he's gone off the boil a lot, and it's it's ironic almost that Leeds have actually started almost scoring more goals. Now Rafinha's stopped scoring. So they've scored three in three of the last five, I think. Um, so they've sort of started to click a little bit while Rafinha's gone off the boil. So maybe Bielsa is trying to sort of get the best out of the rest of the team and make sure that Leeds are ready for when he does inevitably depart. And obviously he was hooked at half-time against Everton. And like I say, he was poor against Villa. I wasn't looking forward to, to watching him for what it's worth. But yeah, he was he was poor in that game. Uh, so yeah, he's 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 gone off the ball completely. Um, and his his other worst rated performance of the of the worst six was in the reverse fixture against Manchester United. So uh, it doesn't bode that well. It'll be interesting to see. I imagine he will start, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Bielsa has the sort of the stones to drop him. Uh, I doubt I doubt he'll he'll need to. There's the for what it's worth, fans. I did I didn't I did for, acknowledge it one as I said it, and then I was like, I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna because last week I try I literally went foot and then tried to stop myself a couple of times. I was just like I just sound like an idiot now, so I'm just gonna keep saying it. It's your thing. It is your thing. It is your catchphrase. If Rafinha was to go, Jonathan, would Manchester United be one of the teams that should be looking at him? Where where would you see him going? What's his level? In terms of level, there's no reason why he wouldn't go to Manchester United. I just think if everything is wrong with United, wide forwards are sort of the least of the issues. Um, I mean, what would he cost? 50, 60 million quid? They spent 70-odd million on Jaden Sancho last summer. Uh, yeah, they, they need to bolster in the middle of midfield. They need a proper centre-forward who's not 342 years old and stopped running. and Well, not that he ever really ran. Uh, they need new centre backs. They need new full backs. Um, I think it would be the most indulgent of signings for United to sign him. But that, that's not to say he's not their level. It's just they don't need him. New, Newcastle, if that's there, Martin. I yeah. can see him. I can see him ending up there for huge money. Yeah, they'll be interested. I imagine whether you can, as much as they want to be attacking the league next season, should they stay up, which it looks like they probably will now. Whether you can accommodate him and St Maximan in the same team. Um, straight off the bat, when they're still going to be building a team around them, is is another matter, I guess. But yeah, I imagine they'll be they'll be 
interested for sure. Should say I forgot to talk about this being the derby game. I mean, is 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 Leeds Manchester United derby would be my first question, but it is of course for the who scored purposes. It is the Rio Ferdinand derby? Mm-hmm. Jaden Sancho come back to a little bit of form, Martin. Manchester United have picked up slightly and Jaden Sancho has played a part in that. We, we've got his top 10 United performances here, haven't we? So three of his top te- uh, three of his top five United performances actually have come in in February. So he, he is, it's worth saying that they, those, aren't, um, those aren't amazing ratings uh, in general and he hasn't been amazing of late, but he, he is improving. You can see that in general play, his... his his work rate's up, I think. He's looking a lot more confident. There's just that final end product that's maybe not quite there, although he is adding it now. So, yeah, I think he's coming to life a bit. Obviously, he's playing on the left. I think it's kind of ironic that Manchester United have needed a, a right winger for so long. They sign one and then they then they play him on the left. I do think it is a bit odd. I think there's a lot of people are saying he, he is looking more comfortable coming in off that flank. But I do think it is a bit odd that he's... He, he was nominally a right winger in Germany. He did play on the left at times. But he's made 18 starts in all competitions for Manchester United and only three on the right. It's not really enough time to prove yourself on that side. No. And I think, in general, a lot of people say that United's problem is they're, they're top-heavy. I think as much as anything, they're, they're, sort of, they're lopsided. They're, they're too reliant on their left flank. And some, some teams do attack predominantly down there down one one wing but if you look at the elite teams that's rarely the case there's rarely a bit more uh, there's usually a bit more balance and obviously if you look at the the united players that progress the ball the best you'd even look at maguire at that from the back he's far better at that than lindelof is on the other side or possibly even varan um and luke shaw was obviously a main outlet for them last season paul pogba plays on the left side even fred is better than mctominay at progressing the ball he plays on the left all that means that Bruno Fernandes tends to gravitate that way to be around those sort of players and link up. So they, they, their right side is almost just nullified. So I think that that was a problem for Sancho in terms of they, they just don't really know how to function down that side. And obviously a lot of the flack's fallen on, on Wan-Bissaka for that. But I think even, even that's a little bit harsh. It's not really his game. I think that's why Dallow's been brought in. I think Ranić is trying to address that sort of imbalance in terms of attack sides. They do attack down the down the left more than any other team in the Premier League. So yeah, fixing that that's that's why Sancho is getting a bit more joy, but I do think in general trying him on the right with Dallo, which is something that he hasn't done. Ranić mm. for what it's worth has <laughs> Ranić has never started Jaden Sancho on the right. He only ever did it uh, he only ever played there under Solskjaer and one game under Carrick. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if that does actually happen eventually. Those two players are actually top for progressive passes and progressive carries for Man United under Ranić. That's Dallo and Sancho. So it'll be interesting to see if they could link up. But yeah, he, he is starting to play better off the left, so maybe he, he'll stay there for the time being. But then if he's playing left, Jonathan, who's Manchester United's best option on the right? Because I've never really fancied Rashford on the right-hand side. I don't think that suits him at all. Is Lingard suddenly then the best option on the right? I guess of the players available at the minute, yeah, probably is true. Uh, which, yeah, clearly is is not ideal. I mean, I, I agree entirely that Rashford's better on the left. You know, he, his his great asset, I think, is coming in onto his right foot. Um, so, I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that Sancho looks better under a more structured coach. Um, now, obviously, Rangnick hasn't been able to impose his philosophy quite in the way he'd like and there's clearly resistance there uh but it's still 
there, there is a great structure than Celsia gave him. But it, it is odd that he's not being used in the in the role he was signed to play, the role that he, he performed so well at Dortmund. Now, that suggests he is link-ups to other players. So, um, I guess you almost get in this sort of chicken-and-egg situation that you end up st- sticking all your creative players on the left because that's where the creativity is. And then you never actually solve the problem on the right. Be interesting to see what he does at the weekend against Leeds. I mean, another problem they've got, Martin Manchester United, is I mean, they've got quite a few problems, let's be honest. They can't get two days and halves going. Obviously, the Brighton game in midweek, Brighton had the, the man sent off, um, which changed the game completely. There's no denying that. But United had scored before then, so you never know how that game would have panned out 11 v 11, uh, regardless. But yeah, they. They do genuinely, genuinely look like a top four team comfortably in one half of a game, but it's not really a stretch to say that in the other half of the game, they look like a relegation-threatened team. It's just such a big disparity between between two halves. And it is, it is difficult to string 90 minutes together of control of elite-level football. It's very, very hard to do that. But you, it, it does seem quite strange that it is split straight down the middle with United, they they play well, and it's not really consistent what half it is. They were good in the first half against Burnley and Borough, and then awful in the second half of those games. Good in the second half against the likes of Brentford and Brighton, obviously, with the caveat that Brighton had 10 men, but awful in the first half of those games. So, yeah, they just can't get that level of control. We did, when we looked into their sort of team ratings in one half to the other, and the smallest disparity in, in ratings between the halves was 0.26. So for comparison, Liverpool's average is 0.22. And that's their average. So United's is wildly different. It's actually double over the last 10 games. And they've just lost that control. And it's uh, it's telling that Ranić's first game was a game against Palace. And their rating in the two halves was exactly the same. And that's probably the most control that they've had in any game was Ralph Ranić's first game in charge. And if anything, they've they're just regressing since in terms of controlling an entire match. Yeah, it, it's it's obviously true that if the spine is functioning, you can get away with with a fullback or winger not quite being on it. Um, but there's just problems everywhere. Um, I mean, all the rumours you hear, all the whispers coming out of the squad are that players aren't happy with the coaches, they're not convinced by Rangnick, they think he talks too much, they think he doesn't impose himself enough. Yeah, there's just discontent everywhere. And... Um, so ill-discipline everywhere, uh, which which you know just spirals into non-footballing things now as well. So, I just think it's a club that's that's in a real mess. It needs a real clear out. It needs a complete change of culture. Yeah, I think that's definitely coming this summer. It's absolutely got to. There's my word that I always say. By the way, Martin, absolutely. That's my. That's my. That's my. Oh, that's my for what it's really worth. Nice. Always saying it does my head in. I do it all the time. Right, Martin. Bookings bingo. People are going to be like. What's that? Jonathan's definitely said that. Well, keep up, guys. It was, it was successful, wasn't it? It's a very successful campaign of one match. Uh, we, we, 100% we started record. This, 100% record as well. I don't know why we're, <laughs> we're uh, attempting to ruin it. We're obviously not. Hopefully we get two out of two, but we will see. Basically, we're tipping three players to be carded in a game. Uh, and we're, we're pricing up that up as a single. So they're most likely to be carded a double, adding a third, and then we're getting the treble boosted. So in midweek, we had we went for PSG Real Madrid because that was had cards written all over it with the players on display. So we had Verratti, Casemiro and Paredes to be carded in that game. Paredes came through in injury time, 14 to 1, all three carded. I had a few quid on it, so I was happy with that. So we're, we're going to try and continue that 100% success rate uh, in another game that 
should be should be quite feisty. Obviously, there's a lot of history between the two teams, and there's a lot of players that aren't particularly good at tackling in the match as well. So, and Maguire yeah. and Fred in there, by any chance? Maguire is in there. Of Maguire, who scored favourite for Fred them? Fred is not Maguire. in there. Just he comes he's in not, everything. He's, yeah. Well, you, there's a reason for oh, it. No, no, no. So seven cards in the league this season for Maguire. He is our top tip to be carded in this game. He was carded in this fixture last season. He's carded everywhere. So seven cards in the league this season. That's following on from 11 last season. So I think that just shows his problems, really. He's just gone to, plot. He's, uh, gone to a pot. He's lost his discipline completely over, over a period of time now. Um, we haven't gone for Fred because I don't think he's an out on starter. He was pretty poor on his return to the side against Brighton, so he might be dropped. So we've... We've avoided that. The second one we've gone for is Rodrigo Moreno, which might seem like a strange one, but he's Leeds' most booked player this season with six, and that's despite only starting 14 games. So he does, does get in amongst it. He, he's tasked with sort of really harrying the sort of defensive midfielders and, and pushing on to the, to the defenders as well. So he does get stuck in. And then the last one is our man, Robin Cock, to be carded. Uh, he's been booked in in two of his last six, and he's made more fouls and tackles this season. And, and like um, Moreno, he will be tasked with the sort of the, the role further that back in terms of breaking up play, uh, probably tasked with man-marking Fernandez as well, who likes to get, go down, not always justified. But yeah, so we've gone for Maguire, Moreno and Cock to be carded. And that's been boosted from 28 to 1 all the way up to 40 to 1 this time. So a big, big price. So a winner last time. Can we get a, a massive one this weekend? It's big. That is big. I'm tempted by that. I'm, I mean, I'm more than tempted. I'll, I'll definitely. I <laughs> said absolutely. I'll definitely be, be definitely be doing that one. Uh, score predictions then, Jonathan. What have you gone for? Two-one uh, to Manchester United. Two-two. I think I went for two-one to Manchester United as well. What did I do? I can't even find it. Yep, 2-1 to Manchester United, exactly the same as Jonathan's. It is now time for the Just a Minute section. Jonathan, you're going to go first with Arsenal v Brentford. I've got no Darba. Absolutely nobody springing to mind at all. If Brentford are impossible. I mean, players that play for Brentford must never have played for anyone else. There's never anyone to say. Anyone got anything? Yeah, can't think of anybody. No, I feel Arsenal. like there is, but it's, yeah. yeah. Not, Arsenal, not Brentford. The nobody Darby, you go first, then <laughs> Jonathan, off you go. Uh, I'm still worried about both these teams. Uh, Arsenal have only scored two goals this year. They've only won one game, which was the uh, the 1-0 win away, away at Wolves when uh, famously they, they over-celebrated. And that's one of those things where I don't really care how much they celebrate. They won the game and they won it with 10 men to so fine celebrate it. But it does worry me when celebrations are so... Um, exuberant that the opposition feel the need to talk about it. And Arsenal are one of those teams you sort of feel that they they do get carried away with one result or two results and they don't sort of put a run together. And, you know, the, the truth is they're in a great position to, to, to take fourth. Uh, they're only what, four points off with three games in hand. So they, they really should be targeting that. Um, they're without Martinelli for this game suspended. Tommy Atty is a doubt, and I think he's being key for them. Uh, Brentford's problem uh, is they can't score goals without Ivan Tony. He's a doubt for this game. Uh, they only scored seven goals in the last eight games, and sorry, four goals in the last seven games. Three of those have come from Tony, uh, so that's a problem for them. So I'm going to go two nil for Arsenal. I'm going to go one nil to the Arsenal. Who scored? Two nil. Two nil to Arsenal. Two-nil. Thank you very much. 
Martin, Villa v Watford for you. Villa still in my bad books. Going to keep it simple and just, even though he still plays Villa, the Ashley Young derby. I've got a feeling Tony Daly might apply for Watford, but I wasn't 100% sure on that. So I'll, I'll play safe with Ashley Young. Steven Gerrard was obviously extremely disappointed with what he called the worst performance in his time at Villa against Newcastle last time out. He stated post-match that changes would be made. Among those most likely to come into the side are Danny Ings, Leon Bailey and Morgan Sanson. With Ollie Watkins most at risk after a sixth game without a goal, connecting with the striker, whoever that may be, has been a real problem for Villa all season, with the signing of Ings certainly seeming to have confused matters. Watford have a near fully fit squad to choose from. Ismail Assar likely to return to the starting eleven for the first time since November. He gave Matt Target the runaround in a 3-2 win on the opening day. And Roy Hodgson needs his star man on song if he's to beat the drop with Watford now without a goal in four. The visitors on Saturday have scored 13 goals in the last five meetings with Villa, most of which tended to be scored by Birmingham fan Troy Deeney, but have lost without scoring in five of 11 away games this season. While Villa have been inconsistent at home all season, they have scored in every game at Villa Park and should have enough to bounce back. So we're going 1-0 to Villa. 2-0 to Villa from me. Jonathan? 2-1 to Villa from me. 2-1 to Villa. Yeah, me and Martin have both called Villa to keep a clean sheet, but they're not doing that very well at all at the moment. Your next game, Jonathan, is Brighton v Burnley. Again, not a jot. Absolutely Uh, nothing. Chris Wood played for Brighton, didn't he? Yeah. Actually, Brighton as well. They both did, I think. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll tell you who else did. Gift and Noel Williams played for both of them. Gift and Noel Williams. Come on, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. You must have loved that. That's that unbelievable knowledge. Well done. I'm letting myself down as usual. Uh, go on then, Jonathan. Brighton v Burnley. Well, two funny teams. I, I, I kind of never quite know what to, to expect, um, which isn't ideal for this podcast, admittedly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brighton and Ninth, so this sense they're playing pretty well. And they've certainly lost five times all season, but they've only actually won one of the last six in all competitions. Um and I think the sense with them is always they slightly underperform their XG. And obviously, they, they did last season. And that was a, a function of them not taking enough chances. This season, they're only very, very slightly under the XG. Whereas Burnley are, are four, and a half point, four and a half points behind their their expected points. Um, they're bottom of the table, but they're only seven points adrift. They've got two games in hand. And if there is that regression to the mean, uh, if especially if Veghorst starts scoring the goals they probably should do, then there's no reason why they, they can't close that, except, of course, that the team they're chasing in fourth bottom is Newcastle, who have a load of new players. Um, Veghorst is a, a doubt with a groin problem for this, so that, that's a problem. Vidra's also out. Uh, Dunk suspended. Um, so I think it's going to be pretty tight. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I've gone for 1-1 one, one as well. Martin? Uh, going 1-0 to Brighton. 1-0 to the Brighton. And Liverpool v Norwich, and this has just jumped into my mind and I'm not 100% convinced by it, but I feel like Sergi Canos played for Liverpool and Norwich. He did. Wow. He Craig did. Bellamy. Craig, Craig Bellamy. Bellamy. Oh, come on, Daniel. Tell Canos, you who else did. That's pulled from nowhere. Jan Molby. Jan Molby. Nice. Very brief loan spell at Norwich at the end of his career. All, all, these, all, the, all, the, all these names leaping out at you now. So Liverpool v Norwich, Martin. Off we go. Yeah, it wasn't a vintage performance in Europe in midweek from Liverpool, but a 2-0 win at Inter was a superb result and allows them to fully concentrate on bridging the gap to City at the top of the table. Following the turn of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and the signing of Luis Diaz, their options in attack are frightening. Though Diogo Jota is a major doubt for this match and is likely to be rested for fancy football fans out there. Norwich are still without Tim Krull in goal, but will hope to have Adam Edar back available with the youngster offering Timu Puki some much-needed support of late. Elsewhere, Matthias Norman could return to the starting eleven for the first time in three months at the expense of McLean or at least Malou. 
The Canaries have more points per game since Dean Smith's appointment than the likes of Palace and Brentford. And following Newcastle's progress, those are two of the sides they will be looking to draw back into the relegation battle. That said, having been hit for four by City last weekend, a trip to Anfield is far from ideal in what will be the third of four meetings between these sides this season. The Reds have scored at least three goals in nine of the last 11 matches against Norwich, and that trend may well continue here. We're going to 4-0 Liverpool. 5-0 to Liverpool for me. Jonathan? 3-0 to Liverpool. 3-0. Good little mix there. Good spread. Palace v Chelsea. Next one for you, Jonathan. The David Hopkin derby. Come on. Uh, Mickey Droy was my uh, <laughs> legendary no. 1970s hard man. Yeah, Palace are sliding a bit at the minute. One win in the last eight. Uh, they have drawn three of the last four. Um, but they are the second worst team in terms of the actual points they've got against expected points. Only Brentford are further off, uh, which suggests that the problems aren't aren't too great. Their issue really is, is defensive rather than going forward, though, in terms of uh, expected goals. Um, Chelsea had that little wobble in December, January, when they, they, they drew three and, and lost the game against City. Uh, they've won four in a row since then. Obviously, two of those the Club World Cup, one uh, against um, Plymouth in the FA Cup. So maybe... That's not quite as relevant as it, as it could be. Uh, they did win 3-0 on the opening day of the season. Uh, Chilwell's out, obviously, but also Mount James and Wimloff's cheek are doubts for them. Ferguson out for Palace and Kiate's a doubt. Um, uh, Chelsea, I suppose the problem for them is because they're third and they, they sort of seem stuck there. They're not going to go high and they're not going to go lower. So there might be a slight issue of motivation there, especially with Champions League coming up, but I still think they'll have too much of Palace. I'm going to say 2-1. Yep, I've done exactly the same again. 2-1 <laughs> away win, Chelsea. Martin? 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil to Chelsea. 2-0 to Chelsea, yes. I've got to clarify when you make it. Sorry. Martin, <laughs> definitely the uh, Saints v Everton. Southampton v Everton is your last one, Martin. Theo Walcott, Derby. Chief, oh, come but... on. Boring. He is boring. He is boring. Martin Schneiderlin. Oh, I like that. Schneidlin, lovely work, Jonathan. Absolutely. You, you're going to take this over. You're better at this than me. <laughs> you're awful. I'm, I mean, you say I'm awful. I'm uh, James, James Beattie. Oh, James Beattie, come on. I mean, I've, I've also I've got a good one for Wolves Leicester that's popped into my head, but yeah. Look forward okay. to it. You'll look forward to that one. Southampton. Is it Richard Everton. Stearman? No. Okay. It's nice not. One. You'll like it. Southampton Everton then. Okay, we're five points from three matches against Man City, Tottenham and Manchester United. Uh, Southampton are looking up rather than over their shoulders. They've lost fewer matches this season than the likes of West Ham, Wolves and Spurs and will view themselves in that bracket of teams having made real strides this season. McCarthy and Lianco are the only confirmed absentees, while Tino Livermento is back available. Hassan Hurtle may name the same side for a third game running, so he may, may have to make do with a place on the bench. It's been an eventful start to life under Frank Lampard with defeat to Newcastle sandwich between two impressive wins over Brentford and Leeds for Everton. Donny van der Beek earned his first start for Everton against the latter. He's set to retain his place in a Premier League lineup for only the second time ever, last doing so in December 2010. Deli Alley may have to make do with a place on the bench once again with Lampard fielding a 4-4-2 against Leeds, starring Anthony Gordon, who started all three matches under the new manager. However, there has only been one away win in the last 13 meetings between these sides and Lampard failed to remedy Everton's wretched uh, record on the road against Newcastle with two points from the last 27 available. By contrast, Southampton are unbeaten in eight at home, which is a longer run than Man City at present. So we're going 2-1 Saints. 2-0 to Southampton for me. Jonathan? 2-1 to Southampton. 2-1 to Southampton. Now, drum roll, please, then. Wolves v Leicester. It's the Steve Claridge derby. 
Ah, nice. Played <laughs> for everyone, Steve Claridge, didn't they? I'd forgot. Yeah, did he play for Wolves? I'm trying to doubt myself. I think he did. I'm pretty sure he played for Wolves. Well, I'd have thought you knew 100. percent Given well, that, how much you uh, yeah, he did. He did. I, he did. Uh, I'm saying he did. Why, why didn't you check that? While I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, Brendan Rodgers seems to be under pressure, which seems a bit unfair given that he finished fifth in the last two seasons and won the FA Cup last year. Um, I mean, even though this feels like it's been a bad season, and despite all the injuries, they are only 11th and their wage bill is the ninth highest in the Premier League. And if they win the two games in hand, they go ninth. So a bad season is par, uh, which, which seems very harsh on him. Uh, where there has definitely been a problem is they can't defend set pieces. That was an issue last season. They let in 11 goals from corners last season. They've already let in 11 from corners this season. Whether that's relevant against Wolves or not, I'm not sure, because Wolves have only scored once from a corner this season, which is the lowest in the Premier League. Um, the usual raft of injuries for Leicester, no Evans, no Castagna, no Vardy, um, uh, no somebody else who's, I can't read my writing who that says. Uh, but anyway, loads of people, uh, James Justin, that's who it is. Uh, loads of people out. Um, Wolves, uh, a seventh, six points of fourth, uh, two games in hand, so they really should be looking at that. Um, have been playing well recently, and I think they'll be too good for Leicester here. I'm saying 2-1 to Wolves. A one all. One all. I've gone for a sneaky Leicester one nil, which feels like it, that, nice. that just shouldn't happen because Leicester can't defend. But I'm gonna, yeah, these things always change at some point. So I'm going to go for Leicester to win one nil. Kind of got lost a little bit in the Steve Claridge dark web there. Lots <laughs> of about a lot of stuff about Steve Claridge's socks. So I just think the Jack. <laughs> Starting to think that Jack Grealish might not actually be a Villa fan and he might be a Burnley. That's true, yeah. Steve Claridge's socks are really low. The big difference was he had really skinny legs, so they looked really loose around his ankles compared to Grealish's, obviously, massive calves. Trends there. No one ever talks about Steve Claridge's socks, do they? Just Jack Grealish's. That's true. There we go. And he did play. (laughs) Came from a family of uh, fruit farmers. Did he? Lovely stuff. Did he? Yeah, Yeah, he... um, he, if you, I mean, the for a football weekly live event, because uh, Barney Ronay had interviewed him once and watched him demolish a fruit bowl. Um, I don't mean demolish the bowl, I mean like <laughs> very, very efficiently uh, with a fruit knife, like very professionally. So, okay. half time in a, in a football weekly live, they paid Steve Flowers money to eat fruit. And honestly, it's one of the most mesmerizing things I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, is that, is that on video anywhere? I'd like to watch that. Well, you've got to pay for it, sadly. <laughs> yeah, it's 15 minutes of Steve Clower. Jeez, Worth paying for it, I'm sure. It was, it was genuinely it was sensational. I mean, some of the stuff we talk about this podcast, <laughs> you can you can see why we get so many viewers, can't you? Because it is unbelievable stuff at times. I think we've got a Saturday treble, haven't we, Martin? I wasn't allowed to pick what I wanted. I had to change mine to fit in with you and Jonathan. I thought you might bring that up. Um, but yes, we do have, we do have a Saturday treble. Uh, so you'll see why Dan had to change his uh, shortly. So I'll start with who scored's tip, uh, which is Brighton to win 10-0 against Burnley. Uh, Burnley have failed to score in one, two, three, four, five, six of their last nine games. Uh, Brighton are just a, a, a better team, in my opinion. Obviously, they played really well in midweek. They've played, like you say, Brighton do play well a lot and, and don't manage to get the win, but... I think this one will be a game where they, they do manage to get a narrow win. Uh, I went for Arsenal to beat Brentford to nil, uh, mainly because Arsenal don't let many in and Brentford don't score very many. Uh, only four goals in the last seven. Ivan Tony's got three of those and may not be fit for this one. Seems sensible. And then I wanted to have Philip Coutinho to score any time for Villa, but then was railroaded into going <laughs> into Villa to, keep a, Villa to keep a clean sheet and win to nil. But he does fit in. 
And to be fair, I did predict Villa to win to nil as well in the yeah, when I when I suggested it to you, I should say you said oh, it doesn't feel like Aston Villa will keep a clean sheet, and it doesn't you predicted Aston Villa to win two nil. So yeah. I mean, that means nothing. It doesn't feel like Leicester would win, would win one nil at Wolves, but that's what I predicted. It, it just sometimes things, things strange things happen. Yourself, don't they? Also, I will say it was like. It was quite a heavy-handed suggestion that I changed. I didn't really feel like I had an option. If I'd have turned around and said, no, I want to keep what I've got, you'd have said, no. <laughs> Probably, mean? yeah. So there and we go. Part of, it was, anyway. part of it was the price on Coutinho to score with Bet Victor. Uh, we're not we're not bad-mouthing Bet, Bet Victor at all here, but wasn't the best compared oh, to some Awful people. Awful. <laughs> shocking, shocking odds every time. By contrast, the lovely people at Bet Victor are... Were Great already, people, marvellous people. <laughs> they were already a leading price on that particular treble, which again is Brighton, Arsenal and Aston Villa all to win to nil. So without conceding, not to nil. Uh, so all to win to nil. That was 15 to one, which like I say, well, that was a, a leading price and they've given it a little nudge regardless to 16 to one because they are such lovely, lovely people. Yeah, and talking of lovely people, you know we're going to catch up with now. Sam Boswell from Bet Victor. What a guy. What a company. <laughs> Let's talk to Sam. Sam, good to hook up as always. We're here to talk about Manchester City versus Tottenham. What are Bet Victor making of that game? Yeah, hi, Dan. Should be interesting, shouldn't it? Uh, City, as you'd imagine, are a short price favourite for the game at 1 to 4, 9 to 2 the draw. Conte's men 21 to 2 to come away with a shock result. Uh, been listening to some of the feedback. People very keen on City this week. So we've boosted half time, full time Man City to 23, uh, sorry, 20 to 23 from 4 to 5. City to win both teams to score if you think Spurs will nick a goal, but City will take the three points. That's 21 to 10. Uh, Harry Kane, of course, uh, was a big talking point in the summer where he was going to go and City were at one point looking like a very likely destination for him. To score a penalty against the team that I think he should have joined is 12 to 1. That's a boosted price as well. Fascinating to see how Kane plays Conte this week. I don't think the noises coming out from him were particularly enthusiastic if you're a Spurs fan. Uh, already feels like he's a little bit restless. Loads of bet boosts on the site, including Sterling and Maris to score, Romero to be carded. That's 18 to 1. Everything else you could need on there. Personally, I'm finding it really boring to come away from a Man City win here, Dan. I think they're going to get it sewn up and the the, the, the slightly difficult spell for Spurs will continue. Can't say anything else but a Manchester City victory, I'm afraid. Let's talk about Leeds a little bit. Bit of a punter's nightmare, Leeds, because you, you never know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, I, I really struggle to, to get them right personally and I've taken to kind of avoiding them. 29-10 uh, to 10 to get the win at home, 27-10 to 10 the draw, 5-6 to six United away at Leeds. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago... It would have been a massive price. Appreciate Leeds not been a Premier League team uh, in the recent years. But, you know, United are a big price away from home these days. Uh, Bruno Fernandes to score two or more. Obviously, did get that very late goal against Brighton. He's 16-1 to from 11-1. to If you think Marcus Rashford's going to come back to form in this, I suppose it is a derby game as such, isn't it? Uh, he's 9-2 mm-hmm. to boosted first goal scorer. For me, I've got to say, I think I'm quite happy to take a bit of a punt or maybe uh, draw and leads here. I, I just don't think United are convincing enough. We've got games stacking up left, right and centre. Whatever's going on at the club's going on at the club doesn't seem like the happiest of camps. And I, I, I don't know about you, but having watched that first half against Brighton, they really shouldn't have won that game. Felt very Brighton to me, although they've had an excellent away record this season. But yeah, Brighton have a lot of the ball, do a lot of nice stuff, but then just not quite ruthless enough sometimes. On the big occasion, but yeah, Manchester United... In a, a, a touch of form now, I, I presume they're favourites for this game. 
Yeah, and, and I can see why. Listen, Man United, massive club, always going to be a popular bet with people, whoever they're playing. But for my money, Leeds at draw, draw in Leeds is just shy of evens, around 10 to 11. That, that'll probably be the play I'll have. I'll take a bit of a punt there. But plenty going on this weekend. Loads of loads of sort of short prices uh, for people to either get stuck into or try and take on. You've got Arsenal at 2 to 5 to beat Brentford. Chelsea, 8 to 13 to beat Palace. Palace, big price at 9 to 2, I think. And uh, Liverpool, a very short 1 to 12 to get the better of Norwich City. So we're expecting probably Acker carnage should all the short price fabs go in. Fingers crossed someone will pull a result out of somewhere for us. I'll back the Eagles at 9 to 2 to do that for us. Come on, Palace. Uh, enjoy the weekend, guys. And as ever, do gamble responsibly. Let's look at Manchester City v Tottenham, then probably the most exciting game of the weekend. And Martin Raheem Sterling's on top form at the moment for City. Where is he in the who scored form rankings? He is second, up to second. Obviously, got that uh, hat trick against Norwich last time out. That took I him took to him out of my fantasy football team. Can you believe it? Take him out. I can't believe it. Then. I got I a can believe it. <laughs> but yeah, that took him to 10 for the season, which has already matched what he managed last season. Obviously, he didn't have a great season last season, didn't have a great start to this season. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's fully back on form. He's scoring goals that we aren't actually that used to seeing Sterling yeah. score. So the goals against Norwich and then the one in, in midweek at Sporting, fantastic goals. Uh, so he's clearly full of confidence. He's second. So I'll start at the bottom. Uh, which is Joel Joel Matip in 10th. Uh, a lot of people were quite surprised to see him, you wouldn't say dropped, I guess rested. Uh, number nine is Bukayo Saka, which is starting to feel a bit weird just because it feels like Arsenal haven't really played any league games uh, for so long. Uh, they haven't played, I think they've only played three in 2022, three league games, uh, considering we're in the middle of February now. Um, but yeah, he's he's clinging, clinging on, he's ninth. Fabinho in eighth, Liverpool's star star striker now uh he's up to eighth uh hyung min son in seven james wood prowse down to sixth bruno fernandez up to five alan st maximan is four and player i mentioned a short while ago anthony gordon is in third uh a player we didn't mention when we had that discussion about how everton are, are going to fit uh deli ali and van der Beek in the side and we said yeah. oh, we can't fit them with all these players didn't even mention anthony gordon he started every game under lampard who he does have a, a bit of a reputation, I guess, for favouring young players. Uh, and he's certainly done that with Gordon, who's been excellent. He was the man of the match last weekend for them. Uh, so Raheem Sterling is second and probably unsurprisingly up to first for the first time, Jared Bowen, uh, after another goal. So, yeah, he leads the way. All pretty fair, that, Jonathan. Can't argue with too many of them in there. I, I question Fernandez a little bit, but that's probably the only one. Uh, I'm not going to question the algorithm. No. Thank I, you. Oh, look at that. For a first... Things oh, like no, he wasn't so I'm not going to any of it. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. I didn't say I agreed with it. <laughs> That's yeah. true, yeah. Uh, do you agree that Raheem Sterling is on top form at the moment? Is he, is he benefiting from Jack Grealish being out? Because Grealish pretty much seemed like Grealish was playing on the, on the left-hand side every week. Then he moved to the, the false nine position. Now he's out completely with his normal shin injury around this time. Sterling benefiting from Grealish not being there? I mean, it just seems to happen with City that every now and again, a player who seems to have drifted out of the picture comes yeah. back in. And looks sensational. I mean, it happened with Riyad Mahrez, happened with Bernardo Silva. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think with Sterling, when he's playing badly, uh, or when maybe that's a bit, a bit harsh, when he's not quite a top form, sometimes his decision-making isn't great. But you saw both in the Champions League and, and, and with that hat-trick that he's really sharp with that, not just deciding when to shoot, but also deciding when to cut the ball back just having the calmness in the box to, to pick passes 
Uh, it was the Bernardo Silva, the first goal, wasn't it, against Sporting, where he did really well, just to d- delay doing anything, waited for the space to open and knocked it back to him. Um, and and that, that, I mean, I guess it's an obvious, it's, it's a confidence thing, but when his confidence is high, he, he's sensationally good at that. When it dips a bit, that's a bit of his game that you, that you question. Yeah, I've always thought of him as a bit of an instinctive finisher, but you're right, the, the goals he's been scoring recently, Martin, the, the ones where he's got time, he's picking things out, and his decision-making is good, but I've completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> pick up from there. Pick up, pick up, pick up from any, anything you like. After, after you want me to pick up from there? there. Yeah, just, 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 just need to just clean up, up after you, basically. I'm, I'm happy for the mistake to be in there. We, we all make mistakes. <laughs> I think it's good I think it's good for people to say. You know, it's, it's yeah, not all seamless. Usually we're absolutely seamless, aren't we? Yeah. He um, doesn't score many from outside the box, and he's and he's got two in his many games. And... Yeah, I think it's just a confidence thing. Obviously, like Jonathan says, he's he's it's enabled him to get into a rhythm. Don't think it's a particularly good good, good look for Jack Grealish that they're scoring hatfuls again without him. A uh, bit of an issue, like I said, uh, like you said. Sorry, uh, he's got his usual shin injury with a sort of undetermined return date, which never bode well during his time at Villa. So, some maybe not controversy around that, but it does seem to happen a lot. Uh, so when we'll see Grealish back, I'm not sure whether that's down to injury or down to form. Uh, he did have that sort of indiscretion, well, not really an indiscretion. He got pictured again on a night out, didn't he? And I, I know mean, he Pep was with said, some of his teammates, to be fair. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Pep said obviously he was just upset that he wasn't invited, but maybe it was a slightly veiled inclusion in the team the following week to say, look, he's not in trouble, and then straight out again after that. Who knows? Mm. But yeah, he, he's having a tough season. Now Tottenham, 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 Jonathan. It's all gone a little bit wrong for Tottenham. They play this back three. Conte's fine for his back three. Would, would a switch to a back four actually help them in some ways or not? Would they still be rubbish? Well, the switch to back four helped them on Sunday because they changed shape in midfield and it meant they, they got uh, Kulisevsky, um stopping Ruben Neves and, and he, he, he controlled the game completely first half hour and suddenly yeah, he had a, had a challenger. So in that specific circumstance, it helped. I... I Doubt that, that Conte really wants to change that. Um, I think the big issue is Eric Dyer being out, which is a bizarre thing to say, yeah. given think- his form really over the last couple of years. But w- when you watch Tottenham with Dyer, it's really obvious that he's the one who organises. He's the one who talks all the time, and when he's not there, they they look a little bit lacklustre. I mean, the odd thing about that Wolves game was they were actually okay, and this is something Conte said afterwards. That they actually played pretty well. They just let in two really, really, really soft goals. Mm. And he made the point that they don't have a killer instinct. If you look at their XG, there's no side worse than Tottenham this season against mm. their their expected goals scored. Uh, so it's a Kane and Son aren't scoring goals this season. But Conte was talking about the killer instinct at the back, you know, the willingness mm. to kind of, you know, when a ball's bobbing about the box, to actually get in the way, get your foot on it, put your head in where it hurts. Um, and it, the, I think that was the thing that, that the cost them against Wolves was they were just so, so limp. Hmm. Um, and it, obviously they're slightly unlucky, particularly with the second goal that it took the deflection onto the post and bounced back again. Um, Hugo Lloris, I think, although he made some really good saves against Wolves, I don't think he covered himself in glory with the first goal. And obviously <laughs> his pass for the second goal, the pass to Ben Davis, was what, what put him into trouble. And they've got that problem when teams press them, that... that uh, and I think this has been true since Mr. Dembele left, that they, they don't have anybody good enough on the ball to break a good press. And every time Wolves press them, they cause problems. So City are clearly going to press them, so they're going to cause them problems. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Conte midweek complaining about the signings. Yeah. I mean, 
Which club did he think he was joining? That was strange, wasn't it? They, he said that they lost four important players to Tottenham. <laughs> Clearly didn't rate any of them, but it was just another sort of dig, basically, that they hadn't strengthened. But yeah, it's not, it's, it's not good, is it? The, the noises coming from Conte in particular. The one thing I would say is Dyer has returned to training this week. Um, yeah, he's still so a doubt, isn't he? He's not. He's a doubt, yeah, play. but he has a chance of playing. Uh, might be one. Maybe and, they and won't Skip, rush him back. So. Skip, who's probably Skip, been yeah. the best centre midfielder since Conte took over, he he's still out. Yeah. Which is without uh, him, they really struggle as well. Yeah, mm. all right. Yeah, well, if they start as they did against Wolves, they'll be in serious trouble against Manchester City. The bet builder for this one, Martin, talk us through it. We're sticking with that man, Raheem Sterling, to score again. Uh, like I said, he's matched his league tally of ten from last season. Already, he's now hit double figures in five consecutive Premier League seasons, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he's also got eight goals against Tottenham in his career, so he likes playing Spurs. Uh, Mares to score as well, so obviously we're favouring Man City in this game. So Sterling and Mares to score. Mares has scored in eight of his last nine appearances for Man City. Uh, those two have scored in the same game as well uh, on five occasions already this season. And the last leg is Christian Romero to be carded. He's just a very feisty man. Um, carded in five of eight league darts already, sent off in the in the Conference League as well, uh, and got booked a hatful of times for Atalanta in in Serie A as well. So he's always good for a booking. So that has been boosted. So that's Sterling to score, Mares to score, and Romero to be carded. Boosted from thirteen to eighteen to one. Yeah, Mares and Sterling seem to be the designated penalty takers at the moment, which, which should help with that bet potentially. Can I have your predictions, please? We'll start with who scored. The who scored guys. The who scored guys have gone for 3-1 to 3-1 to Manchester City. Jonathan? 2-0 to Manchester City. 2-0 to Manchester City. And I have gone for 3-0 to Manchester City. The final game that we're going to look at today is West Ham United v Newcastle. I mean, it's come a week too late, really, but Kieran Trippier's injured and going to be out for some time, Jonathan. Been huge for them, hasn't he? I mean, just his leadership, I think he galvanises those around him. He gets the defence organised. He's going to be a big miss. Yeah, and, and the set plays as well. Um, yes. Led directly to two goals already. So, I mean, of the four signings they made, he, he's definitely been the one who's settled the quickest and made the most obvious impact. So, yeah, him being out is clearly a, a blow for them. Yeah, since they lost to Cambridge, 10 points in four games have looked a totally different team. Um, they look defensively more secure. They look better on the ball. They just look a more confident side. So they just, yeah, since since that game against Cambridge, just haven't really looked like a relegation team. So I'm, I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to be okay now. Yeah, they're probably going to stay up, aren't they? they? They look like they've got enough about them now with those new signings in January. And talking of new signings in January... I'd love to know what the who scored top 10 is, top 10 new signings. <laughs> so, yeah, this was just around the Trippier um, discussion, really. So, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, he's top not only in the Premier League, but in across Europe's top five leagues. Uh, his rating in four games for Newcastle is 7.87, which actually puts him above Mo Salah as the top rated player in the Premier League. <laughs> Uh, this season, obviously, he wouldn't get that award because he's not got enough games. I mean, you but never know. Would... You never know. Yeah. Awards seems to go to all kinds of funny people. <laughs> yeah. He 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 will be a really big miss. It'll be interesting to see what they do without him. Whether they'll go back to a back three, uh, because another important thing, and you wouldn't think it previously, but Manquillo also got injured against Villa, so he would usually go over to the right side. They don't actually have another natural right back. They could play Jacob Murphy there, but he's a, he'll be a wing back. One Fraser could play wing back. Emil Kraft, yeah, who is not Kraft. the most popular. 
not very, not, not up so much. Um, so yeah, Trippier, Trippier is our top-rated January signing across Europe. Uh, there's five Premier League players in it. Coutinho is third. Uh, he's been up and down, I guess. Obviously, he had that uh, incredible game or incredible half. I would, I would probably say against Leeds, where he just looked like vintage Coutinho, outstanding. Then uh, Chris Wood is actually sixth. Um, it's interesting. It's, yeah, a lot of a lot of people saying he's not settled well, but Eddie Howe obviously, understandably, has has been quick to sort of dispel that and say that his his sort of his general play has been good and helped the team. Uh, it's interesting that um, Newcastle have actually gone up high to Chris Wood twice as much as Burnley had. So he's winning 5.5 aerial duels per game at Burnley. That's up to 11 at Newcastle, which is vast, as vast as he is. Uh, so, yeah, he's yet to score. But I guess Newcastle form has improved with him in the side, linking things a little bit better, maybe. He's sixth. I think that points to the fact that there's not been actually that many great January signings yet. Obviously, not had a lot of time. For, uh, this is... I'm going to say it for what it's worth. This is uh, three, a minimum of three appearances. Uh, the other two players from the Premier League in the top 10 are Hassan Kamara, who I think has improved Watford defensively. Uh, in particular, he's looked pretty decent at left-back and upgrade on some pretty awful full-backs at Watford. And Luca Dean is 10th. Uh, again, same, same with Coutinho. I think he's been up and down uh, for Villa, but yeah, maybe down to the fact that some of those players make the list because there's not an awful lot of strong competition right now though I should say Newcastle's top six rated players in the Premier League four of them are their new signings Kieran Trippier's top uh, Matt Target was very good on his debut obviously couldn't play against Villa Dan Byrne was very good on his debut against Villa and uh, like I said Wood is in there as well among the top six so they're, they're, their new signings have settled really really quickly and like you said they already look like they could stay up Maybe not comfortably, but with a little room to spare, I think. Yeah, they're going to be a lot more comfortable than I thought they were going to be at one point. Forgot to do a derby for the last game, the Emmanuel Adebayor derby, of course, Manchester City v Tottenham. West Ham v Newcastle is the Paul Kitson derby. West Ham's form... There's hundreds, so aren't there? West Ham and Newcastle. It seems like most players who played for West Ham played for Newcastle at some point. It's another Craig Bellamy derby. Yeah. Uh, Shaka Islop, Stuart Pearce. Did Paul Kitson play for Newcastle? He did. Uh, Lee Bowyer, Kieran Dyer, two of them going together nicely. There is a lot there. You can, you can, <laughs> Paul Goddard. Should we do it? Should we do a quick eleven? West Ham doing combined eleven? Anyone? <laughs> I think Jonathan's done it there. But we just, I mean, we had a keeper, Shaka Hislop. Uh, yeah, Andy Carroll, Kevin Nolan. Yeah, I think you've done it. Wow. I think there's, yeah. a, there's an eleven to be had there. Nobby Solano. Uh, Nobby Solano. Nobby he Solano. He never stops. I'm trying to think of what, what a player. I've, I've Marlon Harewood Harewood played for both. Brief spell on loan at Newcastle in the Championship. Did Scott he? Parker. Scott Parker. I'll tell you what, that must be the most <laughs> players that have played for two but teams. There's a lot played for City and Tottenham. Though. I mean, Paul, I was thinking Paul Walsh and Paul Stewart. Not like West Ham v Newcastle. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was the team you've read. That was literally Newcastle's first eleven at one point. Playing for West Ham, ridiculous. West Ham's form, though, not being a top-half team in a long time. Jonathan, if you had to rank favourites for fourth, where would you place West Ham? I, I can't pick a fourth place. No one wants it. There's, there's five realistic candidates, right? And I think they fall into three brackets. So Manchester United, I would say, are favourites, partly because they have it already, but also for all their struggles. They're not losing games and their squad is good. The issue is that they haven't really played a tough game in the league in the last couple of months. So it might be they suddenly start getting hammered every time they they, they, you know, they, they, they play 
uh, tougher fixtures. I then think Tottenham and Arsenal are the next bracket down, and then Wolves and West Ham bracket below that. West Ham, I think, have not been the same since that Liverpool game when Ogbonna got injured. I think they really miss him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've obviously got the complications with with Kurt Zuma. Um, and they, they they feel a bit more inconsistent now, but you know they had that great start, and it, it's it's certainly not impossible they could take it. But I, I think they are in that of of the of those five, they're joint fourth. Denver Bar played for West Ham in there. Denver Bar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's just so so many. Where would you place them, Martin? I think they'll come above Tottenham just because I think Tottenham could be an absolute mess between now and the end of the season, I think. Uh, but yeah, then, then they're not playing well and, and David Moyes has admitted that. They're not playing particularly well, but they are quite like Man United at the moment. They aren't really losing games. And obviously they got that late equaliser, which in, in my mind was ridiculous. Obviously it's the rule, but can't bundle a goal in with your arm and it not be handball. Nah, um, was, so, I liked Glenn Murray's analogy on match of the day too, that the whole ball wasn't across the sleeve. Like, you couldn't give it. I it's his arm, a really though, good Should we be allowed to bundle balls in with your arm? No. no. I mean, he was in my fantasy team and I had a bet on him to score, so I didn't really mind. Okay, so I imagine he was fine, yeah. yeah. Glenn Roder. Roder, manager. <laughs> such, a fun, such a fun game. I've been desperately trying to think of some, someone else whilst Martin was talking, and I couldn't think of anyone. We must have we must have exhausted all our options at this point. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that was handball. Did you think it was handball, Jonathan? Yeah, of course it was. Oh, okay. Oh, it's handball for 100%. <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Anyone who says it wasn't handball, I was like, Glenn Murray, I'm matching the day too. Do me a, do me a favour, Glenn. Team genus, team genus, yeah. Yeah, genus was adamant, wasn't he? He, he was adamant. Who's going to win this game then? What's the score going to be? Martin, who scored? Good question. 2-1 yeah. Newcastle, I've got. 2-1 to Newcastle, really? Yeah. Why win? Woo. 2-2. Two two. I still two, can't two. find mine. Oh, I've gone for two one to West Ham. Great. Everyone different there. Nice little spook as well, doesn't it? What doesn't all go well is that I had an appalling week last week, I believe, in the in the predictions. How's the league table for that shaping up, Martin? It's very tight now at the top. Is who it? scored at the top, yeah. Uh, who's <laughs> I should say who scored closing that gap? It's only four points now between us. Uh closing that gap. So over the cause Josh didn't uh, round up last week. Um, over the two, so over the midweek game, uh, who scored 13? Jonathan, 10. Dan, 12. So oh. not much in it over oh, the okay. two weeks. Uh, you only got three, though, at the weekend. Jonathan Bad. Jonathon got a, a win at the weekend with seven. So where's, jo- where's Jonathan? I know he's bottom, uh, but where yeah, is he right. in relation to the two? <laughs> uh, so let me just get the points up. Uh, Dan, 153. Who scored 149? Jonathan, 138. <sighs> But it's it's, Dan, it's, Dan, it's, the, it's the correct scores. I say it every time. But Dan still has the has the fewest general predictions right. One hundred and one. Jonathan one hundred and two. No, Jonathan. Yeah, one hundred and two. And who scored one hundred and nine? But Dan twenty six correct scores. Pretty impressive, to be fair. What, is that, what are your two correct scores? Uh, twenty. Who scored an eighteen? I'm sad, aren't I? Keeping a log of this. Oh, yeah, lovely Excel spreadsheet. I'm going to go. You see my spreadsheets, yeah. I, would li- I mean, I would like to see. I would actually like that to get sent round. You can forward it. Can I can, that's not a problem. I can forward yes, it. Send, send it along with the script and send me a template of fixtures that you said you were going to send me each week for when I do my predictions. Oh, that's what it was. Copy. I was going to message I'm you. I can't remember what you asked. 
Yeah, yeah always copying and pasting the pictures of the Premier League website into WhatsApp and having to type it manually input it. It's, oh, it's a nightmare. I can't be doing things like that. You don't make the talent do things like that. If Mark Chapman was presenting this Are podcast you the talent? or Max or Max Rushton, you would they wouldn't have to do that. So I don't want to do it either. Not having uh, that does, the talent. <laughs> that's not very nice at all, Mark. <laughs> let's, let's, let's end on that on that sour note then. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much for watching the podcast. Thanks to Jonathan for joining us. Martin, not so much. If you're not already subscribed to this podcast with your post notifications on on YouTube, then if you do that, you know exactly when the show is coming out, although it does pretty much come out on the same day every week, so it probably won't be that helpful. Enjoy all the football at the weekend, and as ever, stay safe.